Hey, this is day 90 on Revival Talks here. Um, you know, it's I want to talk about Dorian. And the preface to this is that, um, okay, so my wife and I, when we were in Florida, we went through four hurricanes, three of them in one year. And then we moved to Brunswick about 10 years ago or so. Actually, we've been. this is my 13th year. And when we moved to Brunswick, Brunswick had never had um, years and years. So um, after we moved here, it was like about 10 years in, we had like two in a row, um, back to back. Um, I believe they were back to back, pretty sure they were. And then we had a year off. So, you know, in general, my PTSD button, um, I'm trying to be careful what I say out loud here. I, I'm in regarding the past, let's say this. If you said the word hurricane, you know, I get totally like turn white as a ghost and I would get totally afraid and it would hit every button inside of me. And when I was looking at Dorian the other day, I saw something on the news, which I haven't been watching news, but I have been tracking storm. And um, I felt terror go like straight through me. And I realized I need to really kind of get a grip on you know, kind of like where I want to be in this in terms of what I, I'm saying. And so also, I think the thing that we've we've learned a lot about, but we don't know very much about since the last bout of hurricanes is that we have this authority as believers. And I believe that there's a remnant that, that is kind of waking up. And part of the problem we've been we've had in Christendom and our Western Christianity is, you know, it's been very cerebral, very religious, and which has put it in, in a box and it's taken, you know, my wife and I were having this discussion. I know it was just kind of a funny discussion. It was about, you know, the cessationist, you know, the ones that believe that all the things of the spirit stopped when the canon got approved, when it, the final book came together. And I... <laughs> And so I, I had this funny off thought, which I have a lot of those. And I was like, okay, so hold on a minute. So the canon, you know, which there's so much controversy over what kind of got included and didn't and what that process looked like. So after the, the book was put together, the Bible, and everybody kind of agreed on what was in it, then we come back around and say, why don't we just rip? First Corinthians 12 out, like, in other words, to be a cessationist, you have to essentially be saying that the book that God approved, you're going to, that you're going to just rip some of those chapters out. Like, it was just kind of funny the way it hit me. Like, okay, we just got all the chapters in there, but oh, look, we put First Corinthians 12 in there. Darn it. Rip those pages out right now. We shouldn't be talking about gifts of the spirit. And so... What you've had in Christendom, our Western Christianity, a lot of in terms of religion is there's so much that's on the palette that we can have from heaven and so much that we have in terms of who we carry that we've, we've lost the perception or the knowing, the tangible knowing of our union with Christ and that literally he's delegated the dominion of the planet and the authority to speak to everything 
and to frame reality up with our words and to actually see things happen. Like that's been given to us. And so that mindset or that knowing in terms of identity and in terms of who we are as believers and what we carry is one of the biggest tragedies of religious Christianity, which has been mostly about you know, what we could manage and being all about do's and don'ts as opposed to relationship. And religious Christianity has been very cerebral because it has not matched the word with an encounter and they, they always go together. So whenever you see Jesus in the gospels, he says, the kingdom of heaven has come. And then he demonstrates the kingdom. Religious Christianity in America has taken the demonstration piece out. And so we've been left with the spoken piece. And the goal of most of that has been to make everybody behave. And so now we have a generation that I've been working with for over 20 years. And I teach Bible Lit in a public school. And I, I hear what church kids say in their journals. The church kids are the ones that have, along with their peers, they have it, they have this huge gap between what they believe, you know, about God and and His interaction with Earth. They don't see the book having any practical application on the planet. Like they don't really see how the Bible is relevant, because all they have seen and all they've been a part of, for the most part. I'm not saying a lot, any of them have not had any encounter with Holy Spirit, but it's been limited encounter. I would say that they are, this generation has obviously not grown up in the thing that we're coming into with revival and being a habitation and seeing the glory of God on the planet. That part, they haven't been a part of, but they've been born into this era for such a time as this, and they will be. So... My only, my only point in all of that is their experience with the Holy Spirit far, is far less than the knowledge that has in their mind been just shoved down their throat. So what they feel like is I've, been, I've had a message shoved down my throat. I've been told what to believe about that message. And I'm supposed to line all of my actions up with it, but I'm doing it with no power. So the part they've been missing is the power part. So we, you know, religion can only bring us into compliance and a really messy compliance of that because it, it's law and it's death. So it never produces life. Okay. It tries to bring us into compliance, but the only thing that can actually change anything is love. And so when we have this message that is shrouded with fear and that's been the steady diet um it makes a lot of sense why people particularly the generation don't want anything to do with it but saying that to say this so you see a remnant that's been awakening across the earth of believers who are looking at not only just you know like we've brought a lot of things back onto our palate okay and in every revival, God puts things back on the palette that we forget about and that we don't see. And then we lose the manifestation of like healing becomes a major thing on the palette. But there's a remnant now 
that's actually looking at the book and saying, I want everything that heaven has for me. And I want to, they look at the garden and they realize that, that the authority for dominion was handed over to Adam. He lost that and it was restored with the resurrection of Jesus. We were handed, we have always been more than human. We've always, the supernatural part of who we are has gotten lost in a lot of that religious Christianity, what, you know, that kind of uh, has been propagated. So we lose this, the idea or the concept that I'm actually more than that. I actually carry the kingdom inside of me. I'm a walking habitation. I have authority and dominion over the things that take place. That literally with my words, I can frame up a new reality and I can, our words either will kill us or they will bring life. They're doing one or the other. And so when we frame things up with our words and they are negative, they become a self-fulfilling prophecy. In the same way, when we frame words up in the spirit, God spoke and the world came into existence. He has put us in that place of having the authority and dominion of the planet. He's handed us the keys. So words become extremely important. And so think about it. When you frame up a negative reality, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more you tell yourself you're not feeling good, the worse you feel, right? When the more I live out of a place of fear and I start painting this picture of natural disaster, etc., I live in that same place that I painted. Here's what's true and here's what's the gap. The truth is, if we have dominion and God is good, he is not the author of the storm and the one who delivers us, okay? He cannot be both. He's either all good all the time or he's not. And the truth, we know that he is all the time. So he's never the one that sends the evil or sends the storm. He's the one that says whatever happens in anything that comes at you, I will redeem it and I will turn it into something that will be so much greater inside of you. I'll use whatever comes at you to form incredible faith and, and just like transform you. I will make something beautiful out of ashes every time. So he doesn't say the enemy is cut off, that I'll, he'll never attack. We know that. But he does say that whatever he throws at you, I'm going to do something with it that's going to that's going to transform you but he also says we have the key to being able to say some things to what the enemy is bringing we have an option in here that we rarely actually exercise and that's the words that come out of our mouth we frame up the reality that we want to live in and by our words we create that in the, in the spiritual system and the system of heaven there is no way that a word doesn't have something that it is actually birthed or created with it god has put creativity in our tongue and he has given us the ability to frame things up and to walk out a different reality here's the gap because we haven't known that or we haven't gotten a hold of that we haven't exercised our dominion when it comes to things like natural, natural disasters. Now, but I've been watching and been a part of a remnant of people 
who are rising up realizing, yo, we have control here. And they're speaking to that storm and telling it to go east into the ocean and dissipate. Intercessory groups all over the place are doing that right now. And so there is a remnant on the planet that has awakened to the notion that we are to take dominion and that we have power over darkness. And as ones who um, literally release the kingdom, that everywhere we go and everything we do becomes part of releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. And it literally flows out of us. And we change atmospheres, we change cities, we change rooms, we change hearts by just showing up. So we know that now. So part of us does. We're not there yet, but I do think God is smiling on what we've been doing and is very pleased because he sees his kids moving in the right direction. It's like, guys, you have authority over this thing. I'm trying to wake you up to what's inside of you and what comes out of your mouth and what you can do. And here we've watched a storm be stalled in the middle of the ocean and it's beginning to move further away. It's going away. It is literally moving right now, literally out of the way, further out of the way. And so this morning I came in, you know, I came into school and I was going to do some things. You know, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get some things done while everybody's gone. You know what I mean? Best time to get the copier going, you know? And so... And the Lord knows me, my temptation, honestly, when I sit down at my desk, like most of us, is to manage my anxiety level that I am and keeping at bay with the words that I'm framing and kind of and, and speaking into speaking peace to the storm out there and to the storm in me. My temptation is to engage in restless activism. I'm going to come here and get working and to get busy. And this morning, it was a little different. He kind of interrupted me. He said, oh, no, me first. And I'm like, you're right, Lord. You're right. And he says, um, I was, it's funny. I've been having conversations with the Lord about whether I was going to do the Facebook Live thing each day. And it's, my wife laughs at me because it's like, I'm like, he'll say to me, like, on my way in here today, you're going to go live today. And I'm like, yeah, well, not if I don't have anything to say. <laughs> That's kind of the way we dialogue. And when he did the me first thing and had me sit down, he said, all right, do not form a theology around this. I am not making a theological statement. He said, I want you to flip open your Bible. I know we've all done this as an act of faith before, so I'm not the only person. And I flip open to Isaiah 50. And I'm in the message, and I've been really enjoying the message. 50 verse 4 says this, the master, okay, remember, prefaces, I say I'm not going to do anything this morning. He says you are, says I am. I come and sit down, and he's like, I want you just to listen, and I want you to write down what you hear. So I'm going to speak to you. And so essentially, God kind of changed the order of my day and my moment, and, you know, had me, it, it was very intentional about me doing my time with him first before I was tempted to get busy. So I open up to, this will make, make it kind of funny when you hear this. The master God has given me a well-taught tongue. So I know how to encourage tired people. 
He wakes me up in the morning, wakes me up, opens my ears to listen as one ready to take orders, which is exactly what I was doing this morning. I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. The master God opened my, and I just flipped open to this, opened my ears and I didn't go back to sleep. I didn't pull the covers over my head. I follow the orders. He goes on to say, and the master further down, and the master God stays right here and helps me so I am not disgraced. Therefore, I set my face like flint, confident that I will never regret this. My champion is here. Let's take our stand together. I flipped open to this, guys, like it's crazy because it's speaking right into what we're doing. Look, let us take our stand together. Who dares to bring suit against me? Let him try. Look. The master God is right here. Who would dare call me guilty? Look, my accusers are a close, are a close bin of threadbare socks and fodder for moths, moths. Who out there fears God actually listens to the voice of his servant? Anyone out there who doesn't know where you're going and groping in the dark, but here's what. Trust in God. Lean on God. Okay, so then I flipped over to 54 because I knew what was in there. And I, you know, once I was already up to 50, I flipped over and I, I got to this part. And it's 50 verses 11 through 17, Isaiah 54. In the message. But I'm going to come down to about, I would say about verse 15. All right, you built, you'll be built solid, grounded in righteousness, he says. Far from any trouble, nothing to fear. Far from terror, it won't even come close. If anyone attacks you, don't moment, don't for a moment suppose I sent them. And if any should attack, nothing will come of it. Okay, and when I initially began to pray about this Dorian entity out there, I felt like the Lord just whispered, like nothing's going to come of it. And, but, you know, like many of us, I had to travel through places of terror and kind of regrouping and kind of like, okay, here's the part that's fun. I remember this one from years ago, too. I create the blacksmith who fires the forge and makes a weapon designed to kill. I create the destroyer, but no weapon that can hurt you has ever been forged. Any accuser who takes you to court will be dismissed as a liar. This is what God's service can expect. I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. God's decree. He's saying the devil is a created entity. But for you, no weapon that he has forged against you can actually prosper. Okay, and so then when I sat down for my journal, it was like the Lord just started speaking to me. And so I'm just going to read you what he said to me this morning. Um... Because the, the thing, the reason he told me to do the live thing was he said, the first thing I want you to say is don't fear. Do not fear for I'm the Lord of the land, sea, and all creation. He said, I have delegated authority and dominion to those I'm in union with. I'm waiting on them to use it. This is one storm, but there will be many others to come. And he said, you, meaning all of us, can stop them all in their tracks and dismantle the plan of the enemy and loose heaven. When you do this, they, the world, 
will know that I am God and you are my people when they see the God that answers by fire through the words of my servant. He's saying, when they watch you speak to the storm and when they see the God that answers by fire, they're going to know who I am. He's He never does this in a vacuum. He does it through a people, through a remnant, through anyone who will. So whosoever will, I'm on that team, team whosoever will. And he went on to say, they will not believe my word unless it comes from your mouth with a demonstration of power, signs, wonders, and miracles. He said, do what I did. We talked about the storm. When he rebuked the storm and told it to go with his disciples, he didn't get in the boat and chastise them. He just challenged them on their faith. He was saying to them, you could have done what I just did. They, they were a little thick like we are at times. I get it. He said, do what I do. Do what I did rather. And then you will see a great harvest. A show me generation, and God speaks to me in my language sometimes. Like when he, when he's coming like across a stream of thoughts, you kind of always know that it's kind of God kind of in that one because he's saying things in a way that he knows you'll get. He said, a show me generation calls for a sign and wonder. I have prepared their hearts to believe you when you speak. You must demonstrate my power and authority and the fear of the Lord will overtake them and their eyes will be suddenly open. This is what signs, wonders, and miracles. He's saying that the generation is prepared and they are a show me generation. I've worked with this generation. They are, they demonstrate through what they say, which is what they believe, that they're the most disillusioned generation to come and that the gap between what they know about the Bible and learned in their head and the power of God and the habitation of Holy Spirit on the planet, for them, what they say is huge. So he's saying they are that. He said, I prepared their hearts, but when we demonstrate the power and authority of heaven, that the miracles will open their eyes to the reality of heaven on earth. Slumberers come awake when that happens, and the religious and the prodigal both will, be, will not be able to refute my demonstration of power and glory. Signs, wonders, miracles, and dominion, and our power and authority when demonstrated, when we connect the word and the proclamation with the demonstration, it doesn't matter if they're religious or if they're a prodigal. Both of them get saved. That's the whole point. They both get saved. I'm not one of these people that is going to come out against, you know, seeker-friendly church and this and that. Look, we've watched in this revival all kind of things happen. We watched an evangelical church at Seacoast come together to pray for two people. 200 get healed, 3,000 show up the next week. The revival, what God is doing in revival and baptism, Dawsonville and Brunswick and other places across the land, he's not doing any of it in isolation. He's doing all of it at the same time. And he owns the rights to show up however he wants to in every circumstance and in every place. And so our job is just to be available and to show up. So he says, 
This is my inheritance being fulfilled through the mandate of heaven, through those who have been mantled for such a time as this. He's mantled us for such a time as this, and he's fulfilling his mandate. And so our posture with Dorian or any storm that comes is to take dominion over it. I, I recognize in the reality of where our experience is at that, let's, let me say it this way. We've seen shifts and moves with every hurricane because of people praying. And I think what the Lord is saying here too, to him who has more shall be given and to what they don't have will be taken away. You've been given some, and we have already begun to see be things begin to happen. Some things were less devastated. Were, you know, we saw miraculous stories come out of everything where people got rescued. I, I believe that the angelic is like fully engaged and lassoing this thing and pulling it out. The angelic is fully engaged and rescuing. You know, the enemy sent a storm, but but the Lord and the Lord and the and the host of heaven, of the armies of the king, are is at work and he's doing stuff in it, rescuing, delivering, and freeing, and like literally pulling people out. I think that we have seen a measure. It's kind of like um when we talk about revival. We can say with truth that in many places right now, we've experienced a measure of revival, right? We've seen stuff happen in Dawsonville and Remnant and Brunswick and other places across the globe. This is just the beginning. There is so much more to come. This is a tsunami wave, I'm using the analogy on purpose, of revival that will cover the earth that is never going to end until he returns. It's a party till the end for the church. No matter how dark it gets, we will always be brighter and the light will penetrate the darkness and the miraculous and unusual signs and wonders will only increase. So if we're, we're in this accelerated place, we're in this place of redeemed time where we as a church have this invitation to step into an accelerated place of knowing what is ours and what authority is ours and how to function in it. In other words, we're learning on a fast curve. I mean, a lot of us are. I mean, when we look back, my wife and I were talking about, we're talking to a friend about some things he was going through. And we look back, you know, 10 years, you know, 20 years prior at some of our own situations. And we were like, you know, we don't know, we don't know a lot, but we have access to all everything. We have access to all knowledge, all wisdom, all grace, all everything. And if we could have done it differently back in this day, the way that we would have prayed into the devastations of the past would have looked radically different if we were coming from the place that we are today. The good news is God doesn't waste any of it. And all of it has been part of our preparation to, to mantle us, seed us, and release us into the thing that we were made for, for such a time as this. In this third great awakening, he has positioned us for this time. And so nothing's been wasted, but it's the thing that we all do where we say, you know what, if I could have gone back with what I, the little bit more that I know now, 
I would have, it would have looked really different. The truth is, it's God's grace that has brought us to this place, but I believe that he wants to take us a lot, lot further. I believe that in this accelerated season, that God's going to do in six months what would take 10 years for many of us. And so that's what acceleration looks like. I believe that there is an invitation of the Lord in this season to embrace everything, that there is a remnant who will embrace everything and people will embrace on different levels. I don't think he's excluding revival from any group of people that's elitist. I do think that he'll show up in places and blow their heads off in the best possible way and they'll be in revival. I think there are people that have been praying for it and we've been watching it and seeing it and we're stepping into it. But we're on the front end of something that is only going to increase. And so also is our apprehending everything that is available to us and exercising our authority and dominion. We are in some of the baby stages of that. But I believe the father is like thrilled like crazy with what we're getting a hold of. And I believe that the invitation is a whosoever will, will step into an unlimited palette. That where we've had healing and prophecy and tongues and this and that on our palette, it's like <laughs> he wants to blow that thing wide open because there's so, so, so much more available. And whosoever will, who wants to be a forerunner in the generation and carry. We're not just raising a generation just so we could become their new floor. Our ceiling becomes their new floor. Here's the invitation. We know that the generation are going to be manifest sons and daughters who walk in unparalleled power and glory. He's not telling us that we're not going to have that, that we're just going to be around to prepare another generation for it. He's saying it's for us. It's for us. And those of us who are in the place of mother, fathering, and mentoring, we have all of this access as well. And he's saying, I've given you a table. I've laid out a table before you. And there are so many foods on this table. There is so much in terms of encounter with me and encountering heaven and encountering the reality of heaven on earth and encountering everything that I that is in him that is already in us. The fullness and the totality, totality, <laughs> the totality of the kingdom is already in us. And what the invitation is, whosoever will, I'm going to show you what you're made of. I'm going to show you what's in you and what you release. I'm going to show you what it means to be a walking habitation of Jesus and do what he did and even greater works. I'm going to show you what it means to be a releaser of revival everywhere that you show up. Every atmosphere changes. People within a 50-foot radius of you begin to have encounters and manifest. I want to show you what a manifest son and daughter looks like. And it's not just for the babes. It's for us, too, that we could walk in it. And that is our invitation. We will walk in it 
as we mentor it, as we give it away, and as we join hands. A generation is the oldest to the youngest. We're all included. It's not something that's for later. It's something that's for now. And everything right now is like a now word. We have crossed our threshold. We have come into a new season and into a third awakening that will be characterized and marked by a revival that covers the land and a multi-billion soul harvest. He's already prepared us. He's already prepared this generation. Signs, wonders, miracles, and walking in supernatural and being, you know, knowing who we are as supernatural beings who carry authority and have dominion and release heaven and the kingdom is our new norm. And it's whosoever will are the forerunners of being part of that norm. Religion has had its heyday and religious people are tired. I would grow tired of keeping the law myself. They're worn out, they want more, and there is a hunger that is being cultivated on the planet right now. And so people, the world and others are looking to us right now, not only to see what we will do as we speak to the storm, but as we're in the process of, of coming into who we are and understanding our dominion and understanding our authority, we are seeing measures of success in speaking to the storm and the same way that we are seeing measures of revival. But there are, is more of both to come. And so what we have opportunity to do is one, we get to demonstrate what power and authority looks like and what it means to do that for our generation. We also, in the places where the devastation does touch people's lives, even our own, we have the ability to talk about and lift up the name of Jesus, who is the God that is standing in the midst of it all, who is with us who is in us, and we have a hope. We are the biggest carriers of hope that the world will ever know right now. And we have a hope inside of us that even in the face for those who've experienced and, and will experience in the future, any, anything the enemy throws or brings is devastation, we have something to show them of what hope looks like in the midst of a storm. We have something to show them about what redemption looks like when things are lost. And in all things, he is working all things together for good. And we are a part of the reconciling of all things to Jesus on the planet. He has mandated us and mantled us for this. We are in it. We are in it up to here. And so we need to show and demonstrate how to frame up a reality of in the unseen realm with our words. Our language must change. We have to begin to frame up reality, the reality that we want to see. We have, we have to know that our words 
are powerful and that in the kingdom of heaven, I cannot utter a word that doesn't have anointing and purpose and prophetic purpose on it. I can frame up a reality that's negative and let it become a self-fulfilling prophecy or I can frame up another reality. He is changing our language and he wants us to come into our place of dominion and authority. This is the golden opportunity for that as other storms will come and we are growing in it and we are seeing movement. So right now, let's practice. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we speak to Dorian and we say, you're done. You're done. Cease and desist. We decree and declare that you will move east, that your, your damage is done. You have no further right, legal right at all, to do another thing to bring any more damage to this country, to any country, the countries that you've already been through, it's, it, you're done. And we just, a moratorium, we ask Jesus that you would release angels to lasso that storm and pull it out. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that there would be a demonstration of your power as that thing moves. And as we push it with the words that we are releasing in the spirit that are framing up and becoming reality. Father, that you would show us what it means to speak things as though they were not into existence. That you would show us what we have in the power of our tongue. Father, as we declare and decree that it moves and dissipates, we ask that it, it would be followed by the demonstration of power. We're asking heaven to back up our words. Father, we're taking you quite literally when you said in Matthew 18, here's what he said, and I'll end with this. Take this most seriously, Matthew 18 through 20, chapter 18, in the message. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth, make a prayer of it. My Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure I'll be there. This passage has been so misrepresented so many times because if you understand union with Jesus and we understand kingdom and we understand that we are the walking habitation of the Lord, if we're one, he's saying a yes on earth is a yes in heaven. Our initiating the yes that comes out of our mouth. What he's saying is, when you frame it up, I begin to move. There is no other religion on the planet where God co-labors co and co-creates with his creation. No other religion does that. It's the only one. And in the New Testament, what Jesus is saying is, I want to work with you and I want to work with you through your words. And if you say something on earth, I'm going to frame up that reality and bring the demonstration of it and manifest that demonstration. And it's going to be said so in heaven. You say it here, it becomes a yes in heaven and heaven is released on earth.
That's crazy awesome that we say here, a yes on earth. Our yes that that thing moves is a yes on earth. Our yes, what he's saying is your words are eternal. You can't speak something out and it doesn't have an impact. It doesn't, it becomes alive. It becomes living. We create with our own words. That's what he's saying. So our yes is that that thing moves and dissipates and begins to continue to move east and dies. And that we have sunshiny days and we thank God that we had a couple days off school to enjoy and get a little R&R &R instead of terror. We're saying yes to R&R, &R, no to terror. A yes on earth. Well, I mean, read the book. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. He's delegated that kind of authority to us. And he's just uber pleased when his kids get a hold of that. It's like, I want you to frame it up. Just because we've seen hurricanes and storms that have done destruction does not mean that we're wrong in what we're doing. It's the same thing as healing. John Wimber would say this. He said, if I could tell every believer, he was the leader of the vineyard years ago, to do one thing, I would say, go pray for a hundred people to get healed. It's the same thing. We're exercising spiritual muscles. If you pray for no one, you see no result. If you pray for a hundred and one gets healed, one got healed. If you speak to the storm and you keep speaking to every storm that comes and you exercise your dominion and your authority over it, and it does damage in places, but backs off, it's still backed off. It's still good. And we are gonna come into the place where we will dismantle it before it starts. That the minute it starts, it will be dismantled. We're learning how to exercise our authority and dominion. And so we keep doing it and we will only see an increase. You cannot sow in the kingdom of heaven and not get a return. If we sow our authority and dominion and taking authority and dominion, we will reap in seeing the very thing that we are speaking to manifest. If we co-create with God and use our words and let our yes on earth be something that activates heaven, that releases angels, that does all of that, then we're going to see it. So don't be discouraged by what you're not seeing. Be encouraged by what you are seeing. We have to, our challenge as believers is always to live from the place of the unseen real, which is more real than what we see. We are becoming a very practiced, unseen, real army who sees and what's in heaven is established in heaven and brings heaven to earth. And who also takes dominion on earth and sees things released from earth as our words go forth that heaven embraces and acts on. 
This is an incredible synergy that we have with Holy Spirit and the ability to do things with our words. Speak your words and speak to that storm and we tell it, you're gone, you're done, and you will dissipate and you'll move out of the way. In Jesus' name. I just ask you guys, you know, share this with people. I, I think we need to learn how to do this and let it be our prayer. And so I'm very encouraged by the movement that I've already seen. I'm very encouraged by the fact that it got stuck and it's been moving east already. And it's going to continue to move in that direction. He's Lord of all. And there is no weapon that will ever be formed against us from a created being, the enemy, that he hasn't prepared us for and given us the ability to destroy. We always come from a place of absolute victory. We are not chasing our tails like orphans. We are sons and daughters who carry the reality of the habitation of the kingdom on earth. And we are the vehicles through which it is released. He sovereignly initiates and we also, I think it's a both and, there's places that he sovereignly initiates, but it is also something that we can release and we don't have to wait on something else to happen for revival and for authority and for our dominion to be manifest. Everywhere you go, you are a walking revival. You carry the fullness of the kingdom. You cannot release the kingdom and not get kingdom back. So, that is blessings. And I thank you guys for joining me. And we thank you um, for everyone's safety and that the storm has dissipated in Jesus' name. It's done. And I ask the Lord that you would give us that breath of air and that, that peace in knowing that heaven is backing us up. And we are cooperating with heaven. Blessings, guys.